Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today, we'll be talking about letting Yeshua pass over you. Stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today is the 11th of April, 2022. Happy birthday to my mother-in-law. It is her birthday today. And today we're going to be talking about letting Yeshua pass over you. If you didn't get it, I'm talking about Passover today. Yeshua is all merged into the Passover. If you didn't know that, now you know. Before we get into that, we have a special Torah portion during the time of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this particular Torah portion is found in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 to chapter 15, verses 26. And also Numbers chapter 28, verses 16 to 25. Then you have the half Torah portion, which is 2 Samuel 22, verses 1 through 51. And the Brit Hadashah, which is John chapter 19 verses 31 to chapter 20, verse verse 1. And all really great portion, really helps you kind of figure out what Passover is about. In fact, I'm going to read you one little portion of the Torah portion right now because it really just succinctly explains in the basis of terms what Passover is or what Adonai commands us to do for Passover Keep in mind, this is also during the time where they had a temple to sacrifice in. So Numbers chapter 28, verses 16 to 25 says, On the 14th day of the first month is Adonai's Passover. On the 15th day, there is to be a feast. For seven days, matzah will be eaten. You are to hold a sacred assembly on the first day. You are not to do any laborious work. You are to offer to Adonai burnt offering by fire, two young bulls, one ram, and seven male lambs a year old. They are to be flawless. You are to offer their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah per bowl, two-tenths per ram, and one-tenth per each of the seven lambs, plus one goat for a sin offering to atone for yourselves. In addition to the morning burnt offering and regular burnt offering, you are to offer these. Just like this, you are to offer each day for seven days. The food to be offered by fire for each day is a pleasing aroma to Adonai beside the regular burnt offering with its drink offering. On the seventh day, you are to have a sacred assembly and you are to do no laborious work. So because we don't have a temple, what you get out of this is that the first day of this particular feast, you're not to do any work. On the last day, you are not to do on the seventh day of that. So the seventh day, you are not to do any laborious work. So those are Shabbats. Those are days of rest. Then you're for those seven days, you're to eat matzah. And matzah is actually something that my family and I thoroughly enjoy. Some people really don't like it. We actually have to uh, eat the gluten-free version because of my allergies. And we have the gluten-free version with some onion, uh, onion in it. And it is fantastic. And we uh, make it with, you know, make sandwiches, make pizzas, make all sorts of things. It's a fun thing for our kids to be part of. What is Passover? Passover is obviously a festival that is commanded by Adonai for us to observe all of our days. It's been celebrated for over 3,500 years. It's a spring feast. It falls on the 14th of Nisan, which is typically March or April. 
It is the first month of the sacred calendar year. It's also known as the season of our freedom. It commemorates the exodus of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and celebrates freedom. It is foundational to all other feasts. And when we get into it, hopefully you'll kind of get a glimpse of what exactly I mean by that. I actually, this time, last year, I read to you uh, pretty big sections out of this book that I absolutely love. It's called The Complete Guide to Celebrating Our Messiah in the Festivals by Susan Mortimer. It's absolutely fantastic. This time I'm going to do something a little bit different simply because I don't want to like, you know, repeat exactly what I already said, you know. So I actually have our Passover Haggadah. I know lots of people say it different ways. That just happens to be the way that I pronounce it. It is uh, what our congregation uses. It's actually was prepared by Ohad Yisrael Messianic Jewish Congregation, which is found in Newington, Virginia. I have no idea if they're still there or not, but I'm going to read like tiny little snippets from the Haggadah so that you have a better understanding, hopefully, of what Passover is and what we do during the Passover. I actually was part of a Facebook thread from a Christian uh, Facebook thread of a woman who was trying to, you know, figure out how to do the feast and trying to understand what um, the significance of, of eating unleavened bread was. And so I was trying to help her through that. And that kind of brought me down this path of being like, you know what, I want to do things a little bit differently and hopefully make it more understandable and relatable to those that are coming Yes, from the Jewish uh, perspective, but also those who are coming from the Christian perspective who might want to know a little bit more about their Messiah and why we do the things that we do instead of just portions of what we do, you know, in the Bible. Taking a little drink of water, I uh, have spent probably the last four hours preparing for this particular podcast. So if I'm speaking fast, I apologize. There is a lot to go through. So... Some of you are like, what in the word is a, a world is a Haggadah? So I'm going to read this to you. The Passover Seder is a Passover Eve meal conducted as a worship service. The Hebrew word Seder means order, and this Haggadah is our order of service. Death passed over the generation that was in bondage in Egypt, and our own existence is a result. In remembering that ancient Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, a Seder plate and other traditions are added to aid in the telling, Haggadah, of the story of Passover. While observing this Passover, hopefully your hearts and minds may be open to understand hidden mysteries contained in both the ceremonial traditions and the ancient biblical accounts of this festive meal. So we're going to start and dig right in, starting talking about leaven. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread follows the Passover Seder for seven days, but its preparation begins before Passover itself. We are to remove from our homes any foods containing yeast, such as breads and cakes. The ceremonial search for leaven is called Bedekat Chametz. When God brought our fathers out of Egypt, he commanded the children of Israel, For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. That's Exodus 12, verses 19 to 20. So I'm trying to see TTR. Okay. Rabbi Shaul, Saul of Tarsus, who was in the first century of the common era, known, uh, came to know Yeshua as a Messiah, wrote to the Messianic followers in Corinth. He says in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 8, 
Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Messiah, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Removing the leaven from our homes symbolizes the purifying of our own hearts and lives as we prepare to enter into communion with Adonai. There's a tradition developed over the centuries to hide a little leaven to be found and burned at the conclusion of the search. This ceremony is accompanied by a prayer asking that any leaven remaining in the house be as if it did not exist. As we examine our own lives, we find that we are unable to remove the root of our own sin, nature, from within us. But when we focus on the lamb who bore our sin rather than on the sin itself, we see the grace of God in that tradition, which culminates in the prayer declaring any remaining leaven to be as dust of the earth. So... The whole purpose of the Seder is to focus on the Passover lamb, Yeshua, and the part he played in the feast of unleavened bread. That to me is the most important portion uh, and understanding of what the Passover is about, that God orchestrated this to take place for these people that he chose hundreds and hundreds of years of years before Yeshua was ever born. And then Yeshua came and actually fulfilled this particular, and is in this particular feast. So you can't possibly have one without the other without seeing the connection. You just can't. So bear with me. There's also something that we do during the Passover meal. It's called the four cups. And tonight, um, or, you know, the Haggadah, I might say tonight a lot. The Haggadah, you know, typically is something that you read the night of the Passover. and the four cups are super important because there are four cups of the fruit of the vine. These four cups represent God's promises to the Israelites. The Lord God spoke to Moses as he prepared to set the people free saying, now you shall see what I will do. So this is Exodus uh, chapter six, verses six through seven. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I, the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Each cup has a representation of one of the four I wills that God promised the children of Israel. The first cup is the cup of uh, sanctification. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The second cup is the cup of judgment. I will rescue from their bondage. The third cup is the cup of redemption. I will redeem you with a mighty outstretched arm. The fourth is the cup of praise. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. The first cup, the cup of sanctification. Although the tradition of four cups of wine probably was not observed at the time of Yeshua, There's no doubt that at the beginning of the meal, he raised a cup, blessed it, and alluded to his departure. Luke 22, 17 to 18. Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So this is something that we uh, do even during our Shabbat meals on Friday nights. Every single week, we say this prayer. When we take this cup in remembrance of Yeshua, we say, Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech Ha'olam, Bori Pori Ha'agafen. 
which is blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And there are a lot of other portions of this. Man, I tell you what, I'm looking at this Haggadah. It's it's uh, 44 pages long. Be thankful I'm not going through the whole thing with you. Um, it'd probably be an hour long. But the next thing I want to talk about is the carpas or parsley. The parsley on the Seder plate traditionally represents the green sprouting of new life that comes in the spring, the time of the early harvest. God expressly honored this time of year, commanding the Israelites, saying in Exodus 12, 2, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. The promise of new life symbolized by the parsley comes forth through the tears of bondage. Thus, it is dipped into salt water to show that God does hear the cry of our hearts as he spoke to Israel through Moses in Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Who among you, us does not cry out to God in times of great need or tragedy? Yet how often do we consider his tears? What is in the heart of God that would cause him to weep? When Yeshua came to Jerusalem just prior to his last Passover Seder, he wept over the city as he spoke to the multitude, saying in Matthew 23, verses 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. God's great desire is to restore a relationship with all who will cry out to him. The salt water reminds us of the completion of our deliverance as God's mighty arm took his people through the salty waters of the Red Sea onto dry ground. Out of the tears of bondage, God brought forth new life. The parsley also reminds us of the hyssop plant that was used to put the blood of the slain Passover lamb over the doorposts and the lentils, showing that new life comes from the blood of the Passover lamb. Perhaps the children of the house even wept as the lamb was slain, bringing to mind the words of the prophet Zechariah, in Zechariah 12.10. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Whew. The matzah, probably the most important portion and part of the entire Passover. And hopefully in a moment, you'll see why. In making matzah, we see some interesting comparisons. In scripture, leaven is frequently used as a metaphor for sin. As the matzah is made perfect without leaven and the Passover lamb was without blemish, so too Yeshua our Messiah was without sin. Hebrews 4.15, he was in every way like us, yet without sin. Just as the matzah is striped and has brown spots that look like bruises, Likewise, Yeshua was bruised in his beating, and the stripes of the whips were on his back. Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And as the matzo was pierced, we find in Psalms 22, 16-17, They pierced my hands and my feet, I can count all of my bones. Are you getting the picture yet? Hopefully I'm, I'm making this more evident to you and more plain to you. You're kind of understanding what it is that I'm saying. So on all other nights, we eat bread with leaven. But on Passover, we eat only unleavened bread called matzah. 
We do this because when the children of Israel were driven out of Egypt, they could not wait for leaven to rise. When the signal came, they had to be ready to obey. We have also seen that the matzah was given as a clear picture of the Messiah who would one day come to remove disobedience from our lives. Then we have the maror, probably saying that wrong, I apologize, the bitter herbs. On all other nights, we eat all kinds of vegetables, but on Passover, we eat bitter herbs called maror. Some say this is to remember the bitterness of the life of slavery that was a lot of the children of Israel in the land of Egypt. It is also given as a reminder of the bitterness that a life of slavery to sin brings to each person. But there's another bitterness, for in sacrificing the unblemished lamb that had dwelt in the home from the 10th of Nisan to the 14th, there must certainly have been bitterness and tears, especially among the children, to see this soft, cuddly little lamb slain and eaten. I would have to say I'd probably be one of those little children who was rather upset that we would have to eat my new pet. Now, there's also on the Seder plate traditionally the shank bone. It is found on a traditional Seder plate. It's called Zoroah in Hebrew, which means forearm. It is the word found in God's instructions to Moses in Exodus 6, chapter 6. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. This outstretched arm was revealed to Israel as a Passover lamb that redeemed the firstborn sons from the angel of death. It is also found when the prophet Isaiah asks in Isaiah 53:1, who has believed a report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Then there's the second cup of wine. The second cup is the cup of judgment. As each plague is called out, you dip your finger in the cup of judgment and allow a drop of wine to fall onto your plate. So you get your finger, you dip it, and you drop a drop of wine, you say blood, then you say frogs, vermin, flies, pestilence, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, death of the firstborn. We rejoice as we remember God's almighty deliverance from bondage and slavery in Egypt through the death of the firstborn. We also remember the great price paid for our redemption from bondage to sin through the death of God's firstborn, the death of Yeshua HaMashiach. You all know this verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I talked about this last year. I, um, it was something I was kind of fascinated with, um, the ten plagues. They each represent God's triumph over one of the gods of Egypt, opposed to the one supreme God of Israel. We find the first three plagues come upon Israelite and Egyptians alike. The last seven affect those who are not in Goshen, meaning to draw near, and symbolic of our drawing near to God. The tenth and final plague involves placing blood on the door, symbolic of our life debt being paid by the blood of the Lamb, Yeshua. In the book of Revelation, we find the last seven plagues delivered to the earth as God's final judgment. These plagues have their most devastating effect on those who refuse Messiah's grace. As God did of old, with signs and wonders and a strong arm, he does today through Messiah. He brings each one of us out of our own personal Egypt and the sin that plagues our lives.
God told Israel that he would rescue them from their bondage with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Though Egypt had been a place of refuge from the famine during the time of Joseph, we read in Exodus that there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. In the same way, man, from the time of the fall, has forgotten his Redeemer. At his last Seder, Yeshua spoke of the work of the Holy Spirit, whom he would send to convict the world of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. That's John 16, 11. Then he went to a nearby garden and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible that this cup pass from me. Matthew 26, 39. The judgment against the sin of all mankind was being laid on him. Though he was sinless, he was about to be separated from the father, forced to walk alone through the consequences of sin, and the agony was severe. In partaking of the cup of judgment, Yeshua has made it a cup of blessing for us. God's judgment will be a blessing for us and for the whole earth. As Isaiah said in Isaiah 26, 9, With my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me I will seek you early. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Whew, I tell you what. It is a... Uh, this is a lot to take in. Hopefully you're going to take some time, maybe even pause in between the different things I'm reading and just take a minute, you know, say la, stop and think of this uh, because it, it is, it's a lot. The maror, the bitter herbs. On the Seder plate is a mixture of apples, honey, nuts, and grape juice called haroset. By the way, my favorite part of Passover. It is so good. I can eat a whole huge bowl of it. This mixture represents the mortar for the bricks made in Egypt, while the sweetness reminds us of the promised land. How can the sweetness of the Haroset mixture be a picture of the mortar of bricks? And how can this combination be a picture of the Messiah? Mortar was used to hold bricks together. If properly done, the result is a solid wall. Isaiah tells us in six, uh, Isaiah 60 verse 18, You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The Hebrew word that is translated salvation is the word Yeshua. Even hidden in the haroset is a picture of Messiah, Yeshua. As we dip the mar into the haroset, we are to remember the tears of toil and sweetness of salvation. That to me is just a beautiful picture. The bitter herbs also remind us of the bitterness of betrayal. Yet, it was betrayal that was used to bring our Messiah to his destiny, fulfilling his earthly mission and bringing redemption to all people as foretold by the prophets, Psalm 41.9. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Yet, it was not his friend or his people who killed him. It was your sin and, my, and mine. Sorry. I need to take another uh, drink of water. Okay. He came for the very purpose of giving his life. He said in John chapter 10, verse 17 to 18, Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my father. So one of the other things that we use for the, the bitter herbs is the horseradish, which is my least favorite part of the Passover. Some people really enjoy it. My husband loves horseradish. I'm not a fan, but um, it's something that we are called to to eat and remember because it's a, a reminder of all of the terrible things that happened and just the abuse and the slavery that they had to endure for 400 years. And I think it's also a good remi reminder of those of us who 
were without Yeshua and then were brought to Yeshua or we, Yeshua revealed himself to us. Before Yeshua, our life was horseradish. <laughs> That's the way I like to look at it. All right. Then we talk about Safun. Hopefully I didn't mess that up completely either. Search for the hidden. The Afikomen is often considered the final dessert of the Passover meal. The Afikomen, by the way, is the third piece of matzah in between the layers that they put in the Passover Seder. As the Hebrew word safun implies, there's something hidden here. For almost 2,000 years, the Passover has been celebrated without the lamb. In its place, a piece of bread. The origin of the word Afikomen is lost in antiquity. Some traditions say it simply means dessert. Others believe it comes from a root word meaning I have come or he who comes. Some Jewish scholars believe that this refers to the Messiah who is broken off from the Jewish people. He exists but is yet concealed. This understanding fulfills the prophetic words of the Psalms in Psalm 40 verses 6 through 8. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said here I am I have come it is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. There are many verses written about our Messiah in the scroll, the Bible, that was faithfully handed down to us. He is the word of God made flesh that dwelt among us, John 1.14. He is a living Torah, perhaps, to, um, perhaps tonight, a.k.a. during the Haggadah, or the Seder, I should say. For the first time, you understand what this piece of bread is really about. Like the Afikomen, it is written of him that he is the bread of life that came down from heaven and gave life to the world. John 6, verses 32 to 35, and uh, verses 48 to 51. Proverbs 34, 30, verse 4, I should say. Who has ascended up to heaven and descended? What is his name and what is his son's name, if you know? Isaiah 53, 8 and 10. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him when he made his soul an offering for sin. Is it any wonder that the Messiah used this meal and this bread to establish forever the symbol of his great sacrifice? He gave his own life to remove the stain of sin from our lives. If your heart has been open to recognize the full significance of these symbols, then you will never again be able to eat without remembering the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for you and for me. The third cup of wine. This is the third I will of God. I will redeem you. Not only did God redeem his people out of slavery, but his promise is to restore Israel to the promised land. Now in these last days, he has brought his people back to the land and we await the final fulfillment when in Isaiah 59, chapter 20, 21 happens. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. And then we just go on to the fourth cup. That's the last thing I'm kind of going to go over with you uh, this particular session. It is the fourth and last drinking cup. It's the fourth I will of God's blessing. I will take you to me for a people. I will be your God. It speaks of the time when the Lord will gather his people in Israel again, as he promised. Behold, I'll bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, the woman with child and the one who labors with child. Together, a great throng shall return there. They shall come with weeping and with supplication will I lead them. 
I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles far off. And say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. That's Jeremiah 31, verses 8 through 11. Adonai is doing this today. The return of the Jewish people represents the hope of his return when he will indeed turn ungodliness from Jacob and establish his reign of righteousness in the earth. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, chapter 4, verse 16 to 17, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead and Messiah shall rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Amen, amen, and amen. I don't know about you, but I definitely look forward to that day. Especially with how difficult sometimes life can sometimes be. But I'm so thankful that I have Yeshua as my Messiah. And doing and and, and remembering and sitting down and being in fellowship with others as we remember this time of Passover, I think it's, there's a reason for that. There's a reason that Adonai has commanded us to do that once a year so that we remember what he did, not only for the Israelites all those years ago, but also for what he is doing for us now through Yeshua, his son. Now, as I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you have a blessed week, a blessed Passover. If you have any questions or, or anything you want to ask me or something else you want me to talk about, please feel free to email me or message me. I'm on Facebook. After this, a little message will come on and let you know how else to contact me. Have a blessed week. Enjoy your family. Enjoy this time of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E is in Echo, L is in Lemur, M is in Mike. Amazon Mike, Amazon Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. You can also leave me a one minute voicemail message on anchor.fm slash Erica LaCasse. And it should have a button right there to say, leave a voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet. If you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment, I would love to hear from you.